Welcome to Three Thoughts On. My name is Rafael, and today we will explore a very difficult topic. We will talk about truth. Thought number one. What is truth? The concept of truth is complex and elusive and has been debated by scholars, scientists, and ordinary people for centuries. As a result of this, many theories have been published, which has resulted in different categories and types of truth. If we dig into the origins or etymology of the word truth, we find two distinct categories surface right away. On one hand, the word is associated with fidelity, loyalty, and sincerity. On the other hand, the word is also associated with agreement with fact or reality. We can see this clearly when looking up the word in the dictionary. According to Merriam-Webster Dictionary, the first definition of truth is, quote, that which is in accordance with fact or reality, unquote. Whereas the second definition states, quote, a fact or belief that is accepted to be true, unquote. And here we have a problem, because these definitions are subject to who or what determines what is a fact or what is real. And these can vary as a function of a society's belief system. At the highest level, I found two distinct categories of truth. One, the major theories of truth, and two, the formal theories of truth. The major theories are the ones most people are familiar with, and that is because they come from some of the most popular thinkers in history. Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, Thomas Aquinas, Baruch Spinoza, Friedrich Hegel, William James, John Dewey, and many others. The formal theories tend to be anchored in logic and mathematics. The names here are not as well known, but they are giants nonetheless. Kurt Gödel, Alan Turing, Alfred Tarski, Bertrand Russell, and Saul Kripke are some of the primary contributors. It would take too long to evaluate all of these contributions. It is my intention to leave you with information that is actionable so that you can form your own opinions. As I was searching for more actionable definitions of truth, I found the work of Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yes, I know, he is an astrophysicist, but it turns out that it could be possible to rely on science to find a consistent and repeatable definition of truth. Instead of using the term formal truths, in his book, The Starry Messenger, deGrasse Tyson uses the term objective scientific truths, and they rely on logic, evidence, observation, and or experimentation. deGrasse Tyson states that, quote, objective truths are established by repeated experimentation and are not later found to be false. There is no need to question whether the earth is round, whether the sun is hot, whether humans and chimps share more than 98% identical DNA, or whether the air we breathe on Earth is 78% nitrogen, unquote. But this type of approach does not come without controversy. It has been my experience that some struggle with science and would not rely on it to define truth. Some believe that, given enough time, science will contradict itself when it becomes to its objective truths. Let's take an example. In 1666, 23-year-old Isaac Newton published his laws of motion. 
These laws became undisputed universal truths for the following centuries. 200 years later, in 1865, James Clerk Maxwell published a set of equations that combined electricity, magnetism, and light into a single phenomenon called electromagnetism. Soon enough, some scientists realized that there was something strange with these equations and how they related with Newton's laws. Newton's laws seemed to struggle under very special conditions. It wasn't until Einstein, until he made significant progress here. Einstein tackled this problem in a very different way than everyone else before him. Recall that Einstein was a patent officer. This means that he did not have access to a lab, and he didn't have access to the type of equipment that other scientists had. All he had was access to papers, publications, and his mind. So he engaged in lots of thought experiments for years, which eventually led to the very famous and unbelievably useful special and general theories of relativity in 1905 and 1915, respectively. Why am I telling you all this? Because, today, many are still confused with this and many similar scientific concepts. Today we hear people say things like, Newton was wrong, and Einstein corrected him. Others say that this proves that scientific objective truths cannot be considered truths because all it takes is time and new science to disprove the old. That could not be farther from the truth, no pun intended. In fact, this is why we can trust objective truths, and this is the beauty of science and the scientific method. It delivers objective truths, but it doesn't stop there. It then proceeds to question those truths forever. Nothing and no one is off limits to scientific scrutiny. Newton's laws of motion and gravity are still objective truths when gravity has a value inside a specific range. It is because of Newton that we can design and fly airplanes, launch rockets into deep space, build skyscrapers, predict projectile trajectories, and have satellites orbiting Earth. If we drop a ball from the top of a building, it is Newton who tells us exactly when, where, and how fast the ball will hit the ground. None of that changed with Einstein. Einstein's laws are objective truths in areas of our known universe beyond where Newton's laws of motion are valid. For example, at the event horizon of a black hole or at the quantum level. As the Grass-Tyson states in his book, quote, the era of modern physics did not discard Newton's laws of motion and gravity. Instead, it described deeper realities of nature made visible by ever greater methods and tools of inquiry. Objective truths exist independent of that five sense perception of reality. With proper tools, they can be verified by anybody, at any time, at any place." Unquote. So we can count on objective scientific truths, which is a great start, but fortunately, this is not enough, because we as humans need a lot more than science to operate and coexist, which leads nicely to the next second thought. Thought number two. 
Why are objective truths not enough? So far, we've seen that some truths can be objective and absolute, meaning that they do not depend on anyone's perspective or opinion. If that's the case, we can also agree that there must be other truths that are relative and subjective, meaning they vary according to different contexts, cultures, or beliefs. With this in mind, we could come up with new categories such as logical truths, moral truths, historical truths, artistic truths, etc. This is precisely the approach that the father of existentialism, Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard, took as he tackled the problem of truth. Kierkegaard agrees that objective truths for the study of subjects like math, science, and history are relevant and necessary, but argues that objective truths do not shed any light on a person's inner relationship to existence. In his publication, Concluding on Scientific Postscript, he attacks Hegel's science of logic and argues that, at best, objective truths can only provide a severely narrowed perspective that has little to do with one's actual experience of life. Kierkegaard proposed that truth is subjective, meaning that it depends on the individual's personal commitment and passion. He defines subjective truth as the truth of faith, morality, art, and personal experience. A truth that cannot be verified by external evidence and varies with different observers. He argued that subjective truth addressed existential questions of meaning, purpose, and value, and that is more important for human existence because it involves a personal relationship with a creator and a choice to live authentically. He defines subjective truth as, quote, an objective uncertainty held fast in an appropriation process of the most passionate inwardness, unquote. This means that subjective truth is not based on certainty or proof, but on a leap of faith and a passionate commitment to one's beliefs. It is not hard to find evidence of Kierkegaard's approach in everyday life. In fact, if you turn on your favorite news channel, it may be a long while before you see some objective scientific truths. Subjective truths seem to be at the forefront of most conversations and discussions, and this can be problematic because subjective truths tend to gravitate around one very important human quality, perception. As humans, we observe the world, we perceive it through our senses, and then we use words to communicate, illustrate, and propagate what was perceived. Following this logic, we can conclude that subjective truths depend on how individuals perceive the world that is being observed. But we know that how humans feel at any given moment in time can alter their perception of the world around them. Feelings can alter our perception of what is real, and thus, what could be considered truth. So, if perception is reality, and what is real is true, then does each human hold his own version of subjective truths? I'm not sure. 
there is a group of philosophers who may be able to help us understand the concept of subjective truth. They are called pragmatists. Pragmatists emphasize the practical and action-oriented aspect of human thought and experience. They argue that truth is a dynamic and evolving relationship between beliefs and their consequences in day-to-day -day human practice. To a pragmatist, truth is a function of how well beliefs work for us in solving problems, achieving goals, and satisfying our needs and desires. Truth is thus relative to human purposes, interests, and context, and it can change over time as we learn from our experiences and revise our beliefs accordingly. Pragmatist Charles Sanders Peirce proposed that truth is, quote, the opinion which is fated to be ultimately agreed by all who investigate, unquote. Sanders Peirce suggested that truth is the ideal limit of inquiry, the final outcome of a process of scientific investigation and rational deliberation that converges on a stable, consistent set of beliefs. Another famous pragmatist, William James, defined truth as, quote, the expedient in the way of our thinking, unquote. James argued that truth is whatever proves useful or beneficial for us in our practical endeavors. He also claimed that truth is not a single or absolute thing, but rather a plural and diverse phenomenon that depends on our perspective and situation. Pragmatic theories of truth have been criticized by some philosophers for being relativistic, subjective, or anti-realist. However, pragmatists defend their views by arguing that they capture the dynamic and contextual nature of human knowledge and experience better than other theories of truth. In other words, pragmatists state that truth is not a fixed and static correspondence between statements and reality. Instead, pragmatists state that truth requires us to test and revise our beliefs based on their practical consequences and usefulness rather than accepting them dogmatically or uncritically. Thought number three. How can we live in a world of objective and subjective truths? As we have seen, at the highest level, our relationship with truth could be understood at least from one of two sides, objective and subjective. This understanding is a direct function of our experience of the world and of ourselves within it. And that experience is a function of how we perceive that world and how we perceive ourselves in it. This is of crucial importance because that perception takes place inside our brains. And our brains are constantly being changed and shaped by the actions we take, by who we surround ourselves with, and by the content we choose to consume. Therefore, whether they're objective or subjective, the truths that are prevalent in a specific culture will inevitably be permeated into our brain, perception, and experiences. In his famous TED Talk titled, Science Can Answer Moral Questions, Sam Harris states that, quote, there are truths to be known 
about how human communities flourish, whether or not we understand these truths, unquote. Harris encourages us to use our intellect to evaluate and reevaluate concepts that may have worked at one time, but may no longer work in today's world. In his book, Meditations on First Philosophy, famous rationalist René Descartes proposed that truth is, quote, what we can clearly and distinctly perceive, unquote. He suggested that truths are gained without sensory experience, but instead they rely on deductive reasoning. In both of these statements, we can see that truth demands relentless observation and awareness so that we don't fall into the trap of creating present truths with ancient dogma. Let us use an example to represent this. Let's assume for a moment that the path of life is the path that takes you from Sri Lanka in the Bay of Bengal to the top of Mount Everest in Nepal. When you begin the journey, you are in tropical humid conditions at sea level, so you collect tools and skills that will allow you to thrive along the way. As you get closer to the mountain, the terrain and the climate changes, and the tools that were once useful earlier in the journey may no longer be useful. In fact, they may get in the way of progress. But you keep going. And now the journey has become precarious because you've been carrying tools you can't use and you are missing tools you need. Still, you are resilient and you carry on. You may even tell yourself, I wouldn't be here without these tools. They've served me well. And you would be right to say so. And then one day, your resilience and resolve delivers you to Everest Base Camp and you feel good. But you're exhausted. Your body aches because you have worked way too hard to get there and you just need a break. After resting, you begin the trek past base camp and you notice people are concerned about you. People who are on the way back from the summit stop and tell you, we have been there. You won't make it with those tools. You need new tools. You need oxygen. You need warmer clothes, climbing shoes, picks, ropes, etc. But you like your bag. Your tools have served you well, and without them, you wouldn't even be here. You see the dilemma here? Is it possible to get to the summit with the same tools you left Sri Lanka? Sure, anything is possible, but not probable. Socrates believed that truth is something we experience when we live what he called the good life. And that good life comes from the process of examining our lives through the acquisition of knowledge, wisdom, and virtue. He stated that, quote, the unexamined life is not worth living, unquote. So maybe there's something to be said about the Greek aphorism, know thyself, But what does that mean today in the 21st century? As much as we love Greek philosophy, 
We know they weren't perfect. We know they harbored ethnic, cultural, and racial prejudice. But that is exactly the point here. Ancient truth need not to be our truth. Instead, the process ancient philosophers proposed to arrive to truth could be useful to us today. In other words, maybe truth can manifest itself on the path of self-knowledge and live in and examine life in this present moment, not in the past. Objective and subjective truths can be important and valid in their own domains. They are not necessarily incompatible or contradictory, but instead complementary and interrelated. They can enrich and challenge each other and help us achieve a more comprehensive and balanced understanding of ourselves, the world, and our role in it. This can help us make better decisions, communicate more effectively, and avoid errors and deception. However, this may not come easily. The search for truth can also be challenging, elusive, controversial, and sometimes unwelcomed. But it can also be worth it if we seek with curiosity, honesty, openness, courage, humility, and vulnerability. I will leave you with this. Scientists will defend objective truths and thinkers will defend subjective truths. The turbulent convergence of these two seemingly opposing concepts may be where we need to spend more time as we seek balance for the world around us and the universe within each of us. As I reflect on this episode, I invite us to observe the world through both of these lenses. Let us be humble. Let us be open. Let us be vulnerable and give ourselves the opportunity to experience what happens when we open our minds to the possibilities that may be so easily dismissed by preconceived notions of truth. Thank you. Thank you.